Welcome to the Safina Society podcast. This is Moeen, and we have joined with us Dr. Shadi, along with uh, Brother Fahim once again and his brother Tamim. So, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Assalamu wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum assalam. So we have uh, these these guys joining uh, joining us from Canada. I'm here in South Jersey, and uh, Dr. Shadi is uh, up in North Jersey. I call that North Jersey. So um, the topic I'd like to talk about today that um, we were we wanted to bring up is friendship, and I think we covered it a little bit in the last episode with Fahim, but I wanted to go into it a little bit more in, into more detail and and the idea that i wanted to cover is how does the sharia define uh friendship because this mostly falls into urf right mm-hmm. uh, and so how do we understand this what is a friend uh can you have a can you have friendships uh with the opposite gender is, is a platonic friendship uh possible um uh, and, and let's expand on that. And I have a few more questions, but let's start there. So, Dr. Shadi, why don't you start us off? All right. So, for me, uh, when we look at suhbah, it's actually something that we have a lot of commentary on. All right. And actually, we should start. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah. Wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillahi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man But the, the reason we have so much is because every relationship between the Prophet and a companion and every relationship between the Sahaba themselves is an example of sahaba, right? Because the literal name that the Prophet ﷺ gave them is uh, the sahaba. So the word of sahaba, there can be different words. There's sahaba, there's sadaqa, and there's al-khil, or, or to be someone's khalil, right? Sahaba is the most general, and it's the company that you keep, right? So the companionship coming from the keeping company. You don't necessarily actually have to be, you know, very close to someone who is a companion of yours. Like it's just you keep their company on a daily basis, on a regular basis, if not daily, just a regular basis. So a lot of the people we see in the local masjid, they're like our companions in life in a sense that we see them every single Aisha or Jum'ah or whatever. Doesn't necessarily mean he's uh, a sadiq, someone that you have more trust in. So the word sadaqa implies that there's more trust held in that person, right? Or, or you have more trust for that person. Uh, and then a khalil is someone like you're never separate. You're like inseparable. So these are three different levels of friendship. Well, all of this would go into the English of friendship. So like everything else in Sharia and in Islam, you really need to go into the Arabic words, right? And take out the definitions from those Arabic terms. So what are we talking about? Keeping people's company? is very different from friends, which is, and then a khalil is even, so let's just break it down into two, right? Keeping company, that has its own rules and guidelines. And then being friends with someone has another set of rules and guidelines. And uh, Imam al-Ghazali, you know, he gives a quick eight point, uh, you know, um, eight points on the, the a sign of a good friend. So we can go over that later if you want. But in general, I would break it down as the company you keep on one hand and those who are your close, trusted, you know, friends on the other hand. And so I think the, the reason why it's a little confusing, for me at least, is how do you even define what is close 
and and wh- how do you what is the difference between a khalil and you know just a friend uh, and what are those boundaries exactly well um that's a good question but in the salaf there's a book by a sulami on uh, uh the topic of um futuwa and he has a section, if I'm not mistaken, I've read it a long time ago. If I'm not mistaken, he has a com- uh, section on friendship. I think Imam Ghazali also, he has a lot to say about friendship. But they used to not use the word suh, sadaq, or they used to use the word ukhuwa, right? To take someone as a brother, okay? Mm-hmm. To take someone as a brother. And one of the things that they used to say about that is that they used to actually state it as if it was like a, an unwritten contract or a, 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 or a, a relationship. Right, I take you on as my my brother. Some people used to do this, and so what that implied was one of the things that it implied is that your wealth is their wealth, your sadnesses are their sadnesses, your happiness are their happinesses, right? And that you would never envy them, never desire anything, never compete against them, right? Never accept a uh, bad opinion about them, okay? Never uh, uh, leave them to go astray without stopping them right? Without warning them. Never hold the grudge against them and always to forgive them if they did wrong to you, okay? And so, uh, and never know that they're in a state of discomfort except that you come to relieve it. So these are some of the things that are mentioned, all right, in our heritage and our tradition on when people used to take each other as friends, or really they said brothers. So I have a, I have a bit of a different take, yeah, or I guess a different approach because um, unfortunately, I'm not as well read in terms of the Islamic tradition on these particular concepts, but I do have a lot of friends. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> and, uh, there's actually a running joke amongst my non-Muslim friends because they see me and they see how I am with my Muslim friends. And yeah. so they, they say that the meme has tiers of friends. They're either tier one, <laughs> tier two, tier three. <laughs> yeah. Based on the different mannerisms I'm expressing, uh, depending on whom I, who I'm with. And so I'm actually reading a book and I think it's relevant because when we talk about friendship, I, I think that also talking about what love is, is important mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. And then kind of seeing how that fits in into the concept of friendship. And so the book I'm reading is called The Art of Loving by Dr. Eric Fromm. And he mentions in this book that every relationship that has love has four components and these relationships are whether or not it's a mother-child relationship whether it's a husband-wife whether it's a brother-brother a friend-friend relationship and their care responsibility respect and knowledge and so he makes a few points regarding each of these aspects with regards to care he says that love is the active concern for the life and the growth of that which we love so say, say that uh, as an example so he says that love is the active concern for the life and the growth of that which we love so the okay. active concern so he uses the example of someone who says i love flowers but then they don't do anything to nurture it they just, they, they they like it that it looks aesthetically pleasing but they don't actually nurture it they don't water it they don't give it the nutrients so we would say for such a person that them saying that they love flowers is so superficial. They don't actually, That's they don't actually care about it. They, they just think it looks nice. Yeah. And so in turn, he says that this implies that there's responsibility, that we express care because 
we feel a sense of ownership or a sense of responsibility over the, the affairs of the one that we love. Mm-hmm. And this kind of reminds me of the hadith where the Prophet sallallahu says, uh, the one who truly believes, uh, or you don't truly believe until you love for your brother what you love for yourself. Mm-hmm. So in terms of taking ownership of affairs, tr- truly giving that dedication and concern mm-hmm. for, 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 for those affairs. But he says so as to not be overbearing and controlling over the people we love, we have to give them respect and we have to respect their autonomy. We have to see them as distinct individuals walking their own journeys with their own levels and their own states. And one noteworthy point is, is that he says that this has to come from sort of like a place of independence and strength where we can't be in these sort of relationships for our own sort of validation or to find meaning in our lives where uh, we have a sort of like toxic codependent relationship where we're kind of like using the people rather we genuinely care about them and that's why we want to see them grow. And then lastly, he talks about knowledge. So we have to really know the people that we're interacting with as well. And I think with with these two qualities, the responsibility and knowledge, what he's really describing is empathy, that out of sincere concern, that um, we're trying to find the intricacies that really make up a person, you know, what were their unique experiences that led them to be the individual that they are. And that out of that sincere concern, that's where, where love comes from. And it really reminds me of one hadith, which I think summarizes it the best, where the Prophet ﷺ says that the parable of the believers in their affection, mercy, and compassion for each other is that of a body. When any limb aches, the whole body reacts with sleeplessness and fever. And so if the goal of love is to feel union with the person that, that we're trying to love, then I think this hadith, although talking about the, the body of the believers, when we take it on an individual level in our individual relationships, if someone feels that sleeplessness and fever when you're in pain, then that is someone that you can consider what you're calling a khalil, a, a, a true friend. And depending on how much that, that varies between, between relationships, that's how I, I, maybe you could demarcate different levels of friendship. Mm-hmm. Maybe someone who feels that a bit less with you, maybe they're not, maybe they're not like a soulmate, but, but they are someone who, who cares, so they're a friend. So and someone who doesn't feel that at all, then maybe an acquaintance. So I think that's a, that, that was an interesting way to kind of look at it. Okay. Well, one thing I find interesting though, right, is like there's a lot of textbook type definitions of of what friends are. But I have, you know, an an anecdotal sort of understanding of of what uh friendship has has always meant. And, mm. and one thing I I found very interesting is that living in the western world and something that I think Dr. Shetty mentioned and something that uh Tami mentioned just now is because of so many things that require us to be independent, uh, we are sort of forced to to forego on a lot of the bonds of friendship. There's this uh, scene uh, that I write really like in the movie uh, Goodwill Hunting, if you've ever seen it. Oh, Mashallah, uh, great movie. 
classic. So in in the movie, uh, Matt Damon, uh, you know, he gets into a fight with this dude on the, you know, in uh, on the street, and then it's just his friends rush out and they just start beating on this dude. And later in the movie, Robin Williams says, like, uh, you know, the the thing that that Will has that Matt Damon has is that he has friends who are loyal, right? Like they they might not know anything about the world, but they would take a bat to your head uh, if 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 it called for it. And I think uh, that level, I mean, that's not in a textbook definition anywhere, right? You can't, you can't, you can't explain that. And I know I have uh, cousins back home who I would call my friends. And, uh, you know, I know that those guys would lay down their life for me, right? Mm -hmm. In in a heartbeat. And yet, many of my friends in, 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 in the US and in Western societies just, just don't feel that way. And and you ever watch these movies of war, like Band of Brothers, or you ever read like stories about war or stories about troubles and even even actually cults or Sufi tariqas, for example. Not saying they're cults, but like like for groups where like you have this group mentality, you have this bond between people that is far above and beyond anything that we see in the Western world. So I wanted to bring that up and, and see what you guys think about that. Yeah. Well, well, one of the things that it's hard to judge. Um when our american friends let's say like all of us are coming from an ethnic backgrounds right yeah so yeah. that might be one of the main reasons there might not be enough in common right and so i think that people have this idea like you're my brother i'd laid my life down for you right i think that it has to do more with having a lot of things in common right common interests common goals etc you go back to revolutionary war and there's a lot of stories of of things like that right maybe they had a lot of in common and they had a goal, a common vision. You go to world war two and they had those types of friendships, world war one. Uh, so maybe that's a thing. It's common vision or common, uh, uh, common factors that, you know, how you're pretty much, you got the same origins, same background, et cetera, and common goals. Right. So that might be the main factor in terms of why people would sacrifice for others. Do you think it changes as people get older? Because, you know, when you're younger, you have these friends that are like, oh, you know, it's, it's, it's really deep. I'm going to yeah. be there for you my whole life. And then, you know, as you grow older, you know, the, uh, those sort of bonds, you know, uh, grow apart. And yeah. so when they get married, <laughs> or, right. Or, or when they get married, a lot of that kind of goes away. Yeah. I, I wonder if there's a reason for that, right? Well, yeah. Well, they say that marriage is the coward maker. Right. <laughs> it makes people cowards because <laughs> when you're single, you act right now when you're married, you have a filter. You got the first filter. Well, what's my wife going to say? Right. <laughs> uh, then you have a second filter. Well, do I would need to worry about my in-laws now, too? Maybe they have an opinion. Right. Number three. Well, I can't lose my job because I got to pay for stuff. Right. And then I got to worry about my kids. So all of a sudden, right, this bold person. Right. It was a gangster before that. Now, all of a sudden, he's got all these filters that he's got to take into consideration. Right. Before taking some kind of a bold action or some kind of seemingly daring or amazing action. You know, I see that as a person who hasn't set the frame that he wants to, you know, his family to follow from the get go. And so he starts following the frame of those around him. Um, if you set a right, if you set the right frame from the get go and, and it's a frame that will take care of the relationships you are entrusted with. A man should be able to commit to what he believes and what he thinks and feels. I, yeah. you know, I see, I see the, I see the difference between my friends who are married, who have kids, and they yeah. did that, 
and they don't have this self-censorship going on in, in their lives. And they're much more authentic people. And their yeah. children and wives collectively respect them a lot more. They feel safer and they actually feel like they know who this man is because yeah. he's authentic. Yeah. Well, and speak, but in all these things, you know, um, uh, in all these things, I actually go always have to go back to if we're going to give an objective meaning to things, then all the social science stuff is just suggestions, right? And the only objective meaning could, if there's anything objective, it would be, um, you know, what's in the Quran and Hadith and the Sunnah, right? Mm -hmm. That's what's going to be objective. For example, we have uh, guidelines on who to be friends with, all right? We definitely have guidelines on who to be friends with, right? The Prophet highly discouraged friendship uh, with uh, people who are, you know, not going to improve you in the deen in, in, in the sense of very close friendships, right? Very close friendships. So did he prohibit it altogether? Of course not. He didn't prohibit it altogether. Uh, but he does have a hadith which says, la tashab illa mu'mina, right? Don't don't keep the which means your general companionship should not be with anyone except that person that's going to help you in your deen. So we have those types of hadith. You know, it's interesting that that you mentioned that. It reminds me of something uh, Moeen mentioned, and then you you commented on it by saying that when we who come from ethnic backgrounds and have a deen in common, when we feel this this separation from um, the the non-Muslim majority folk here in the West. I find that to be quite natural. And there, there are two layers here. The first layer is I myself personally, the more I got involved in the deen and more conscious of our very purpose for being in, in this dunya, the less I could actually, you know, feel content with deep relationships amongst my non-Muslim friends. Because for one, you, you care about people who you're close with. And when you care about them, you can't help but think, well, what's going to happen to them in the Akhirah? You, you become concerned about their, their fate. And then secondly, they don't, they don't see what you see. And you can never unsee what you've seen when you've, when you've tasted the haq of Islam, when you've had a, doors open where you can have a relationship with, with Rasulullah sallallahu and all these concepts that Islam illuminates for you. And your non-Muslim friends, they don't see that. You know, the more enlightened amongst them might be able to relate to some of those in the form of the sunnah of Allah. These might, these might be people who, who see certain patterns in the world for example, they care about loyalty. They see that all creation <clears throat> values loyalty in some form or another. But the rules around that loyalty and, and the, the, the spirituality around that, around that loyalty, it's just not the same for us as well, brothers. There's another point here uh, about that is that once you have a brotherhood that tells you that um, you're going to become friends uh, in the, eternally in the afterlife, right? Awesome. That's everything is going to be shallow in comparison to that Absolutely. exactly right so that's something that's to, to be considerate like so it, a friendship might be very deep for someone else right but for you you're like uh you know uh that's really th this is not depth right the fact that that's we see depth. each other exactly. you know uh five times a year a, a month or something like that and we go out and we camped out together that's not depth in comparison to those other things. Oh, not even close. And that's why I've actually found the most loyal sort of friends I've had uh, now or in the past have been like sort of those hardcore Salafi brothers. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm serious. I'm serious. Like we joke, but it's those like hardcore people who have, you know, defined 
aligned values in life and what they believe and they're not straying from that yeah. and they want to keep you upon that they're you know that, that that's why they're they're very good friends actually and the, and the idea is that we got a long life and we got not only we got a long life we got a big mission like you have an uh, apocalyptic or you can talk about the day of judgment that's what we're working towards right, right. we're working towards yom al qiyam <clears throat> And that, uh, what can match that? If you think about that, what can what, match that kind of uh, that? That's where we're going. And to me, friendship is always about really shared values, uh, shared shared goals, shared mission, right? Shared beliefs. And yeah. When you have shared beliefs and that those things, that's the that's the the foundation. After the foundation, right. you're going to now have secondary things, which is like that we're both Western or that we both, you know, relate to the same things. You know, those types of things. And, and, and perhaps that's the reason why, you know, even friendships, you know, have suffered nowadays, right? Because yeah. of this watered down, not just Dean, but watered down everything. Mm-hmm. Right? There, is no, there is no principled stance about everything. Anything. <clears throat> I mean, if you went back 50 years ago, you know, even non, Muslim and non-Muslim people shared common beliefs about the world, yeah. and gender, and all these other things, right? Re- recognizing this, <laughs> you know? Right. Nature, and, design, patterns. And so you could agree on basic principles of life and basic things and, and be friends. Now that we live in this sort of postmodern, anything can be defined as anything world, like it's really even difficult to have shared values. And maybe that's the reason why. And I think this is the reason why, one, people don't have good friends. And it's also the reason why people feel empty inside. Right, because oh, wow. of the lack of good friends. And that's a great point you mentioned, because like if you don't have clear boundaries defining anything, any form, any structure, then there's not there's no substance you can fill that space with. And you're right that non-Muslims, even in the past, they may have not had a universal way of life like Islam to unify them, but they did have, you know, things like nationalism, forms of tribalism that unify them, or they have certain religious values that shepherded their communities. And you'll find that when people, even if they're non-Muslim, are closer to their fitra, <clears throat> then you can actually connect with them more. I have a lot of uh, coaches that I'm in touch with. These are non-Muslim guys, but they're, they're always about that whole you know, self-improvement lifestyle. They, wanna, they actually want to search out for deeper meanings. They want to stay functional on a fitness level, on a nutrition level. They, they, they care about deepening their relationships. And I'm like, you know what? You may not be Muslim, but a lot of your motivations relate back to you wanting to, to connect to your fitra. And if you keep going on that trajectory correctly, you could actually fall into Islam. You could come back. And, and so I have deeper relationships with those types. I actually think about my, my friendships with my non-Muslim friends now, right? Because I'm about to graduate from university, inshallah. And most of my class is non-Muslim. Growing up from elementary school all through high school, most of my friends were uh, non-Muslims. There weren't very Muslims in my area. And alhamdulillah, Allah, Allah protected me because these people, I noticed that they aspire towards deeper values, deeper meanings, deeper purposes. How do we really change the world? How do we impact the world? Not, not in a very superficial way because you'll see people... Now their goal is, okay, I have to get a job. I have to get the best job. I need to be prestigious. I need to make a lot of money. But these are the type of friends who really cared about deeper, deeper moral issues. How do we solve these issues? And so it's as if, as Fahim was saying, they were 
closer to their fitra. And in turn, because I had that company, uh, obviously it wasn't Muslim company, but some, even that kept me grounded and actually helped <clears throat> propel me in my own iman, in my own faith as well. It's like having, it's the difference between high val- a high value social circle and a low value social circle. A, mm. a circle that adds value to your life versus a circle that drains you. You're clearly the only person adding value and everyone else is just directionless. They're draining you of energy and they're not adding anything back into that. So, yeah. So what we're looking at here is different uh, levels. That's and, right. and why should we think that like Islamic brotherhood, which is the great thing, we share the akhirah together, right? Like that's our goal. We share so much together. It's unbelievable how much we share in common right uh in comparison to any other set of friendships so we will marry in the same fashion we will pretty much eat the same foods in, the, in, in as meats in certain in, in that sense we have we believe you know that i believe that they'll be there at my grave if they're there right we'll be making dua for each other after death etc cetera, etc cetera. but that doesn't necessitate that that's the only level of friendship we shouldn't have a problem with the idea that there are many levels of friendship. For example, you and your neighbor, it's a very different level of friendship, right? And let it be there. Let it stay there, right? Because I think that, you know, with the guidance of the Sunnah, you might do a better job at that than they've seen from anyone else, right? Just being a neighbor, just being a good neighbor with someone who's not a Muslim. Uh, coworker relationships. General, like I got a lot of general relationships with fitness guys, with plumbers, who are really good. They gave me great, like there's a guy uh, who I guess he, you could say became my friend in a sense because he does housework, like little fix, fixing things, fixing problems in the house. He just never wants to take money, right? It's the weirdest thing. So I feel like he sort of deserves a lot more. I want to reciprocate, right? It's like the rule of reciprocity. So we sort of became friends. Like I always ask about him and stuff like that. Uh, just a random dude. I don't even know how I got his number. Right? He's a random handyman, but he's a great guy. And so we talk. I don't think people, he really know, you know, expected for me to like ask about him during the coronavirus, things like that, but he loved it. So you have these level of friendship where it's just going to be the etiquette of bringing up what's in common, right? And there are etiquettes to this friendship. Just bring up what's in common, ask about each other, and that's it. It doesn't have to be that it's Islamic brotherhood, right, to the death to the afterlife or bust. And that's, I think, a mistake a lot of people make or that they compare the two, right? Why do I need to compare? Why can't I just, uh, while I'm, Allah has decreed that we're neighbors in this world or we live together in this part of the country or the world or the state or whatever, let me give him his haq or let me at least be someone who makes it you know, better for him and that'll be the best dawah as well at the same time. So I think we should look at tranches of friendships. Yeah, it's a really good point. There's one thing that I'm going to throw a wrench in here is although I agree that there's a lot of friendships based on, you know, shared values, I would also say that, you know, friendship isn't necessarily based on shared values, right? Because I, I know I know myself, I one of my closest friends is a fairly staunch atheist, right? I mean, we disagree on like almost everything in life, right? <laughs> and uh He's a very close friend. I mean, he's sort of like this weird, strangely spiritual, kind of doesn't know what he is type person. And I mean, he knows about Islam. I talked to him about the deen. I talked to him about family. I talked to him about a lot of things. And 
a very, very close friend of mine, right? And I'm sure he'd lay down his life for me. I'd do the same for him, right? And, and, and we have all, almost no shared values, right? And, and that's one thing I, I've always found interesting about friendship, right? Uh, C.S. Lewis, he says in his book, and I brought it up last time in The Four Loves, uh, if you do anything in life and, and you want to get something out of this, this episode, find that book and read his section on friendship. It's phenomenal. Uh, uh, he says that friendship is actually the least jealous of all of the loves. Uh, and, and friendship arises out of mere companionship when two or more companions discover that they have something in common. And one thing that he actually brings about is really interesting. He said that you can actually have a friend who a part of them is not unlocked without a third friend. That's true. So, so you can have a friend. That's so who's, interesting. You can have a friend, right, uh, who is only your – a part of him is your friend, but there's another part of him that's also your friend, but you'll never see that part without that third friend. <laughs> group dynamics, huh? <laughs> right? uh, yeah, and that's what it is. It's, it's the group dynamics, and it's different attributes that come out of people, yeah. right? They come out of people. So if you have a friend who is, is really loud, people tend to either mirror or compliment. If you notice, right? Yeah. There's two, two things that people do. They either mirror or they compliment, right? So depending on how things are. So if you got one friend who's really loud, right? You can't compliment him when you're with him. You have to mirror him when you're with him. If he's really excited and you're sitting there quiet, it's, that's not, a friendship's not going to work. So you have to mirror at that point. But if now you two go and hang out with another two guys, you have to compliment. You've got to compliment your friend. You That's have to true. be the, the, op, uh, the foil to your friend, right? So that you're more complete. So in that respect, now, if that really loud and boisterous friend of yours who used to always control every, the room and make sure everything is, uh, is right and everything, if that friend dies, you actually have to uh, inherit from him his attributes to fill in the blanks, right? Yep. You need to fill in. So I remember a, bro a brother who, the two brothers, one was the loud one, one was the quiet one. As soon as the loud one died, the quiet one became a little bit more loud, right? In the sense that active, proactive, when I say loud, I mean active, proactive, not voice loud, but, um, you know, yeah. extroverted in yeah. a sense. Um, I know that uh, Verizon doesn't believe in extroversion, but that's a whole nother discussion. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> but uh, he became a little bit more extroverted to, to, comp to, to compliment the loss. I see. To, to substitute for the loss, right? And everyone in the friend circle became a little bit more extroverted because mm -hmm. once a, a friend dies, part of the group dies, right? And that's exactly what you bring up because everyone brings something different to the table, mm -hmm. right? Oh, subhanAllah. The group is like an organism. It's and what, like an organism, yeah. Yeah. What Moeen uh, said, it was, it's very interesting because it's like, I think that your, the, the kinds of friendships you're able to tolerate are also dependent on, in part at least, personality type and temperament so for example if a guy's he's more open um to new experience and he's he scores higher in agreeableness then he may find it easier to actually be friends with a staunch atheist like me for example i would i would be able to have a friendship but at a distance because i know that we would clash especially if he's also like me we clash mm -hmm. constantly we, we would debate back and forth and my only like i'd be i'd be invested in him perhaps as a, as a, as a, someone to give da'wah to, or as a formidable opponent, but I, I wouldn't be able to see him as like a, you know, as like a beloved, I would probably be like, man, I got to take this guy down. That's how I would feel, you know? 
<laughs> but I also think that um, what Muin was saying that his friend is a staunch atheist, but Muin was also saying that he, he can talk about Islam and his own values. And so his friend must be able to reciprocate those values in the sense that he can, maybe he doesn't agree with them, but he can appreciate where they're coming from. Right. I mean, I mean he's been, he, he, this person has, you know, come to our masjid and, you know, he stood in the road to pray with us to feel what it's like. Yeah, like, exactly. I have a friend exactly like that. He, he's a, he was Christian before, but he became atheist, but he's exactly like what you described. It goes to show that there is, even if you don't have uh, values that are shared on, on a, on one level, there are certain things that are shared, certain templates that are shared, like personality type, um, temperament, perhaps conditioning, factors like in your upbringing, these types of things, when, the closer they are, then it becomes easier and more optimal for you to have some kind of a, of a, of a relationship. I've even seen at like Speaker's Corner or people engage in street da'wah, certain, certain da'is, they can get along with you know, people that they're engaging for the purpose of da'wah better than others who would just end up butting heads with them. Yeah. And I, I find that really interesting. And likewise, I actually can say the opposite. I know some people who I share all of the values of life. So with, true. Right? Uh, in the dean. But I absolutely cannot stand these people and I don't want them in my life. Inshallah, yeah. we make it to Jannah and I see them there. But in my yeah. life, I do yeah, not want them. True. I totally true. agree. I totally agree. And there are people like that who... Um, it's it's amazing. It's like the uh, uh, the distance is the best thing in this relationship. Yeah, <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. Now, so so let me let's take a look at another avenue here, a very important one. What is the road to friendship, right? Mm. And the road to friendship, Imam Al Ghazali, in the beginning of guidance, he gives you great, he gives a great roadmap to friendship, and he goes that from a uh, from not knowing somebody. You observe certain hukuk. If there are certain, there's a certain etiquette to that, it would lead you, it may lead you, the door's open now, to become acquaintances, which is usually the next level. And then the third level is companions or friends, right? Now, in hajj, if you've ever done hajj, it, that, that trajectory goes real fast, right? Because you share so many hours in a unique experience. But in regular life, there are people you don't know. And the relationship between people you don't know has a certain etiquette, okay? The first etiquette with strangers is not to get involved, right, in their business, right? That's the first etiquette of strangers. Not to contradict them, not to say something that you know that, you know, is not your business to say, right? All of these are things he mentions as um, re responsibilities in uh, uh, with strangers, not paying attention to what they're saying. In other words, not trying to eavesdrop that person's uh, conversation. Okay. Disregard, all right, uh, what follows on from the bad things that they say. If they say something bad, you don't get involved. Okay. Um, not meeting them too often. And if you're asked to talk, not to talk too much. Okay. And talking too much is something I think we want to discuss a little bit later because it's a big problem of why people never pass the level of acquaintance, okay? You're someone I don't know. Our first few meetings, you just talked my ear off. So you're now put in a, a bin of acquaintances that I'm very nervous about because I know that you equal 45 minutes, lost time, right? And I could go on for stories of this, okay? Um, 
if you don't know someone and they are harsh in advising you, Imam al-Ghazali says, in commanding right or forbidding wrong, that all of a sudden sets the possibility of ever being friends way back, right? So that's the first thing he talked about, that you, you're giving someone advice that, number one, they didn't ask for, and number two, that uh, you gave it in a harsh way, right? So it sets back the possibility of being acquaintances. So now the opposite, open the door to be acquaintances. Number one, don't get in their business. If they talk, be brief, okay? If you see their wrongs, don't become a self-appointed advisor, right? And if you have to forbid the wrong, then you do it in the most gentle way. And the way that you apply gentleness is you praise the person three, four times on something, and then you drop in something in a way that would empower them in the sense that the prophet used to say, shall I not show you something better, right? Or he said about Abdullah bin Omar, not necessarily forbidding wrong, what a good man if he had also would pray to Hajjud, right? Pray in the night, all right? Night, he didn't use the word to Hajjud, but so all those types of things. So the, how to deal with people you don't know, if you deal with that properly, you open the door to potentially becoming an acquaintance. And if you be an acquaintance properly, you open the door to potentially being a friend. So you want to talk about being acquaintance right away, the adab of acquaintanceship, or if you, or do you have something to say? No, no, sorry. My hand was not, huh? my bad. No, no, but no, in general, if you want to comment on the idea of the phase of we don't know each other to how to act when you don't know each other to being an acquaintance. And if you, if you think about this, people really mess up in this first phase. That's why they don't have friends. This is true. I, yeah. Yeah, so why don't we talk yeah. about this idea first of how do we deal with people that we don't even know? Strangers, right? Why is it that some people go from strangers to acquaintances real quick? People want to be their acquaintances or friends. And some people, you don't know them and everyone's fleeing from them right away. So I'll comment on this a little bit since, since I, I do like to meme have uh, a lot of friends, fortunately, alhamdulillah. And, <laughs> and uh, I think a good reason for that. And, 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 and I've been asked this question by introverted people often. It's like, you know, how, how is it that you're able to have so many friends and, I think it's it's a number of things. One it is is a part of my personality, just just being a little bit more out there than others. And two is, I think the most important thing is to value people and to listen to them. Speaking mm -hmm. too much can absolutely destroy the first interaction with someone. Uh, you have to come at people and under not come at people. You have to approach people and understand how they are and who they are before you start blathering on about yourself, right? That's the, nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. Um, and uh, in terms of acquaintances, right? Uh, I think there, there is a, this weird thing that comes with, with first interactions to becoming friends, right? Because you might become friends with someone just because they cracked a joke and you thought it was funny and you're like, hey, that was great. You know, and then now all of a sudden you're good friends. Right. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, that, that's, all, that's what I'd say. You guys have something? Yeah, I think that it's about earning your keep and beyond even shared values, fulfilling people's needs and, and touching on their actual nature, the nature of their fitra, the needs that emanate from that is what really 
solidifies relationships. For example, if I'm sitting with a brother and I know he believes the right stuff, I'm going to, I'm going to automatically by virtue of both my own beliefs and my own uh, commitments care about him. But if he's monotone and if he can't access his full emotional range, share his person with me. And every time he speaks, I can tell that he's just trying to almost be an imitation of what he thinks I want to hear not what he himself actually has to say or what he's actually feeling, I'm going to get really bored. So when I talk to people, I try to, I try to firstly meet them authentically, genuinely listen to what they have to say, but also share my person with them. What do I genuinely think or feel about what they have to say? Now I'll be structured about that. If I, if I don't have that kind of trust and respect with them, I will limit how much I share, right? I have to earn their keep. They have to earn mine's. If they haven't asked me, for example, for a certain level of advice. Likewise, I'll be mindful of that and think, will this be received by them? Mm-hmm. Is it even my place? Uh, the, also, the go, becoming friends too fast is a big problem. I used to have, I used to know somebody that became friends with people real quick and intimate friends, right? And uh, I would be like, how are you friend? How are you that close to them? You don't even know like anything about like what they believe about life and you're like a religious person right mm-hmm. so uh i used to you know always re- advise them like you, you don't even know what they what they're about right and so of course as always within few a few weeks a clash would occur right and the clash was because you never vetted this person okay uh in the sense that you didn't have enough you didn't spend a lot in the acquaintance period of time right you rush through the acquaintance so you went from stranger to friend and in the outline that imam al-ghazali gives in bidayat al-hidayah it's stranger acquaintance companion right and in the acquaintance period you can open up and hear a lot more of their opinions without committing to friendship and acquaintance periods happen usually in neutral territory the work uh, work lunchroom school lunchroom masjid another person's house right other people's homes right um whatsapp groups in, in our modern context <laughs> and before you ever get into their zone or you into them into your zone your personal space or you into their personal space there's this neutral area right and that's what quote unquote third spaces have to offer it has to offer the masjid for us is the location where strangers can become friends or they could just stay as acquaintances, right? And that's very important in society. Like, I would say we all have a ton of acquaintances, right? Acquaintances are people you would salam, you would ask them about their life and their family and their work. You might chit-chat with them, but you would never text them. And they would never get offended that you don't. Like, how many people do I know at MBIC? I love seeing them. Like after Corona, I'm going to give them a big hug. But the idea and the concept that we would ever exchange phone numbers and invite him to my house or me to his house, it's not there on both sides for cultural reasons, for age reasons, for example. Let's say a man, I'm, 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 I guess in the middle, another man straight from like Mali or Bangladesh and they're like 68 years old. <laughs> There's no friendship here. What kind of politics would they talk about? Well, what what kind of anything would we talk about, right? (laughs) So in the masjid, we have a lot to talk about, right? MashaAllah, the qari has a beautiful voice, right? How is work? 
It's mm. to be in the masjid, right? All that general, make dua for me, yes. But, but could we have, could we sit down for a cup of tea? We could if we had to, but it's not something that I would want to do or he would want to do. We don't relate. So we have a lot of acquaintances. And from those acquaintances, some people become friends like mine, <clears throat> right? And other people don't become friends. They stay as acquaintances, <laughs> right? Yeah. So from strange, and, and then there is every once in a while, a brother who messes up the stranger uh, mode and they get straight into advice and too much talking, right? Mm -hmm. And then they wonder why no one in this mosque wants to talk to me, right? It's not the masjid, right? It's you, right? It's that person. Oh, if okay. they talk too much or they give advice. So if you want to summarize it, when, you're, when someone's a stranger, what not to do, don't talk too much, don't give advice. It's unsolicited advice. What to do, smile and have small talk. People don't know how to have small talk anymore. And you know who doesn't know how to do small talk? Kids, youth, right? They have to learn how to do small talk. Small talk is really, how are you, right? Uh, and then whatever they say, build up another question. That has to be taught, actually. That, that's actually what I meant when I said sharing your thoughts and feelings. Like if I see something outside, let's say, let's say I went to a restaurant and you know, the waiter asked me, what's, how, how's my day? I could just share a story of what I saw outside you know, and what I thought about that. And they just laugh. You know? It's like small yeah. talk. I think small talk is a fiqh. There's a fiqh, an etiquette that has to be taught. And I think the dads that teach their kids small talk, they're much more adjusted. Like I teach my son, <clears throat> like let's say the handyman comes at the door. Don't just sit there looking at him like he's a freak, right? Yeah, say yeah. something. And he's like, well, what do I say? I said, how are you? How's As a matter of fact, I think right? this topic is so important. That it's so I'm, important. We're going to do it. We got to do a 20-minute workshop, <laughs> podcast <laughs> episode on how to have small I, I'm telling you, when my son does this now, let's say someone comes in the door and, he, and he's just, and I train him to just say, how are you? How's your day been? Right? And if they answer, if they answer, right? And you're like, okay, I didn't expect you to answer. I just, I really didn't want to answer either, right? You're supposed to just say, thank you. And you, and you say, thank you, good. And, and that usually that's the end. But what if they answer? What if they say, uh, actually, I just had the most miserable visit ever, right? And the toilet exploded in my face, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> okay, so what do you say? What is he supposed to say next? Simple answer. Just repeat. In the form of a question, <laughs> anything that he said. Oh, the, to he said, the toilet exploded in your face, right? <laughs> He's going to keep talking, right? So that's how you create small talk, mm. right? So, the, the, so when you're strangers, it's just smile, small talk. If so I, I, now I actually, uh, to the acquaintance part, then that has its own fiqh. Yeah. I actually... Um, not completely disagree, but I, I think it depends on the context. Maybe that's acceptable for the, the masjid, but coming from the university background, I think the issue with the youth is that, or at least the youth who are in these institutions, is that they do too much small talk. So that, that, that says something about how they don't know the fiqh of small talk, but they don't know how to build off on that to make a more meaningful relationship in Escal general escalation es escalate that into a into a real friendship escalation yeah e escalation can occur let me just give you my theory about it right mm -hmm. because alhamdulillah i'm very good at friends 
<laughs> Wayne is also very good at friends. I'm sure that you guys are very good at having friends. <laughs> but look. Dr. Shetty and I are also equally good at enemies. <laughs> <laughs> That's very important. Yes, very important. You guys are doing something right. Uh, and, and, the, and the reason we're good at f- enemies is because we're good at friends, because it's a polar opposite. So yeah, I can relate to that. my theory of why our friendships are very strong. In the acquaintance period, it's a testing period to see if there is shared belief or shared vision of the world and belief, right? How? Not by interviews, by throwing out a word here, a word there. Let's see what the person reacts to, right? Uh, Then once that's developed, you go now to the second portion, which is goals, shared goals, right? Now, you don't do this with everyone. You're not going to do this with your neighbor, for example. You're not going to do this with your coworker, but you could do this if you, want to have, if you want to. If the person has a shared mission and it's a prac, then you start going into making a practical goal, establishing a practical goal. Like, for example, me and Moeen. Uh, what's our, we share the same belief. We share the same mission, the same, uh, same uh, vision of the world and mission. Now, what's the practical goal? Set up this podcast, right? Now that pins us. Right through that's the glue. The physical thing is the glue, right? That's the glue. The the act that you do together. Now women don't have this. Women get get into each other, right? If I'm not mistaken, right? Women get into each other's lives. Okay. Yeah, in general. Like for example, Moeen, I don't even know how many kids he has. He's like one kid, right? (laughs) Now, if if I told if Moeen, if I told if I told Moeen right now, by the way, I had another kid last night, right? He would I'd not like, be offended in the least, right? I'd be like, mashallah, alhamdulillah. Yeah, mashallah. Cool. Like, is yeah, that yeah, a hint? Do you want to take off the next podcast, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> but we actually, uh, uh, it's not to be cold, but each other's business is not the issue. The podcast is the issue, right? So we come together on an external thing, which is beliefs, podcast, community, etc. Women get together, from what I know, in each other right into each other so i'll give you i'll give you a perfect another perfect example of that so Saad, right uh one from our podcast he's one of my best friends he has never been to my house yeah you probably you probably might and i hope he listens and comes down to my house but it's uh and and it's interesting that we don't need to be in our personal lives to to really be such good friends. Like, for example, I've never actually met his family. I've never met them, right? Just, it is not even that he doesn't want me to meet them or I don't want to meet them. Just out of, you know, just that, that situation and social occurrence has never arise, right? Mm-hmm. Before we were in college and we hung out at college and now we're hanging out at the masjid or wherever we are and through some means, I've just never met his family and he's never met mine. And he's never been to my house. Yeah. And, one, and there you go, right? we don't need to be in each other's like personal lives. Yeah. To, to be such good friends. Have you ever seen a, 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 a mom try to make amends between her, hus- her husband and her son? Right. And what is she going to say? Why don't you sit down and talk? What? <laughs> right. That's like kryptonite. Sit down and talk like a bunch of freaks. Right. Sit down and talk. How about, right. Let's do something together. That's the right way. Let's go out together. Let's, you know, and and whenever I've had, and I've had times when I got upset with my son 
And he's like nervous. He doesn't know what to do because I'm so angry at him, right? How do you break that ice? You break that ice by getting on a ladder and saying, hey, son, give me the screwdriver. He gives you the screwdriver. Give me a screw. He Give him a screw. He's watching. The screw falls. Oh, here it is. And then he comes up with a suggestion. (laughs) Then the the ice breaks, right? The ice breaks, right? From doing something, not from sitting face-to-face and talking, right? Then you might bring up the issue. Listen, I was upset. You got to not make sure not to do this. Oh, definitely. I'm not going to do it again. That's it. I, mean, I, I think you can't. You can. I think you can sit down and talk. It, dep- it depends on your personality type and theirs. I think those people are freaks. I'm a freak, then. I'm, I'm <laughs> right? a, we're both freaks. I'm a freak. That's how I. Anytime I have an issue with the meme, we have a talk. Like that, we talk. We, <laughs> will, we, we do stuff too. Like we will do stuff, but I usually like getting it out of the way directly. Nothing freaks me out more <laughs> than getting a message that says we need to talk. Oh, yeah. Right? Okay. That is, that is intimidating. That freaks me out. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, I, I need to talk to you. We need mm. to have a conversation. Mm. Uh, at, you know, the way to do this without causing an alarm bell to go off. He's like, Hey, do you got a minute? Yeah, I got a minute. Everyone's yeah, got a you, minute. You can but, soften the blow. Yeah. We need to talk. What does this mean? Are we getting divorced? Oh. What's going on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would never leave it at that. Yeah. yeah. Some context, you know, preface it with, with something that's softer. Yeah, yeah, no, I don't. I exactly, don't you have to you have to pad it with the context. You can't just be so like, blunt. <laughs> I mean, I have some, I have a few friends who I can do that with, but that's that, those are those are like powerful relationships. We have something called bros chillage here. That's like the ultimate level. That's the lamest thing I've ever heard. You were there, bro. And you're the first person who made it without any vetting. I'm just <laughs> messing with to you. get into that. Uh, you know, it's like there are multiple stages. If you can make it all the way and you can last, because in that chillage. Like Dr. Shadi mentioned, there's a lot of, lot of like raw conversation. So people who aren't able to handle that, they can't, make, they can't last in it. For sure. For sure. So I have two points and I was just joking. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, one thing that we mentioned is, is this idea of how men, and we talked about this last episode too, the way men have friendships and the way women have friendships. So the way, not even just friendships, the way they interact is very different. So much so as a matter of fact that you know, C.S. Lewis, actually, in his book, he says that he cannot comment on friendship for women. He's only writing about men. And one thing that, that he brought up and that I'd like to talk about here is uh, he states that if a, a male and a female of same interests and goals who are not repulsive to each other and they don't actually love someone else will eventually grow into eros love. And so he doesn't believe that there is no, he believes there is no true friendship for single males and single females, right? Just, no, there's no friendship between I guys. agree with you. I agree yeah, with you. They, We can't have that for other reasons. Yeah. We can't have that for other reasons. For other, absolutely. How, how are you going to be friends with someone you can't look at? Sharia <laughs> 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 right? Sh- says you can't look at them, right? Sharia <laughs> says you can't look at them unless there's a reason, Right. Yeah. And a reason is, and hanging out, I need to hang out, is not a reason. It's not a need. Absolutely. Even non Muslims understood this up until recently, where there's, then there's gender neutrality. Guys are, there's no polarity between men and women anymore. So it's like a lot of guys are acting effeminate in ways. And so girls get naive around them, thinking, oh, they're just, they're just friends. They're placeholders. And secondly, if they're, if, they, if they're actually masculine in their polarity, the girls wouldn't be saying, oh, they're just friends. They'd yeah. be like, oh, I like that guy. Oh, he makes me feel this way. Right. Uh, and, 
and I mean, I don't even want to get into it from a fiqh perspective. I mean, you guys can, Dr. Shadi could discuss that. But I mean, I was even saying just from like a pure psychological perspective, there is absolutely this, uh, if, if, if there's a single male and a single female, mm-hmm. them being friends and sharing this bond, because like we just mentioned, the way a woman generally, and I can't speak for all women, but the way that they understand friendship is as a person, right? As, you know, is sharing uh, things about yourself, right? Whereas men don't care about that. Men care about an objective, right? You're a teammate. Right. And and when men and women are are having a, a relationship, a single male and a single female, what is the objective for the man? There's only one objective for the dude. <clears throat> totally, totally. <laughs> guys, will, guys will either lie about it and not know how to express it. And a lot of girls today, especially the millennial girls, they, 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 some, of them, some of them may know, but many of them are genuinely naive. They think that, oh, this guy's different. You know, that guy, his, his sexuality and his polarity, because he's, he's overtly more masculine in his archetype. Is, yeah, okay, I can, see, I can see why being friends with him is a bad idea. But this guy, he's different. But in reality, that guy who's, who you think is different, in his head, he's thinking all the same things. He has to go through constant suppression of those feelings. And the good guy who's like not bringing these feelings up, that's just because he's a good guy, not because he doesn't feel those things, <laughs> right? Uh, that's just because he's suppressing these things and mm-hmm. not telling you these things. If he's but, truly good, he'll be like, we're not going to be friends, sister. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, so so I think the guys' friends, my my best uh, relationships with guys is teammates, mm-hmm. right? After the season, course, right? I'll see you next season. There's mm-hmm. no reason to hang out or chill, right? And this idea of, for me personally, what does it mean spend time together? Wait, waste of time, right? Like, what's the what's the point? What's the goal? We got to do something, right? We got to have a target. My dad would like you. Yeah, we <laughs> got to have a like target. Yeah, there's no such thing to me as let's just spend time together. <laughs> uh, doing something right now i do even the idea of uh creating friendship in the masjid that is a goal yes that's right? a goal. that is an act right so for example someone said let's just get together and have um a go out to a game or go to uh whatever have a barbecue why right oh, oh just to get the brothers together be pull them out of the house and have suhba that's a goal Okay. okay. That's a goal. Keep each other. We keep each other sort of. We, it's almost like, um, you know, wild dogs. They have these sessions where they just like play, roll around, play, bite each other, lick, you yeah. know. They, wild dogs do this usually before the hunt, right? So that's what I, that's sohba to me. We'll get, we camaraderie together because in the future there's going to be a need for this friendship, right? So that's how I take it. If, so, Dr. Shetty, if like, let's say a young brother, he, he looked up to you and he wanted to, you know, go for a car ride, maybe just to be in your presence and ask you questions, share his struggles. Would you see that as, as an objective for his like self-development? That's office hours. How much you get paid? I love that you waited. You're like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's office hours and you're buying the hot chocolate right <laughs> but if you know if he's younger than me i do have uh the, the masjid did tell me you need to have office hours people want to talk to you they say we catch him but he's always on the way out and then i feel we feel bad fine makes sense office hours is a good thing office hours i like office hours you get to sit with new people different people talk to them 
right? And and I always like talking to strangers, right? And talking to people. So the issue is, um, uh, you know, I think that that's important. Uh, one thing I do always say is I'm not a counselor, right? And I tell people I might make it worse. Uh, I see. I, I see. might make it worse because because sure? counseling these days is such a, a big field. It's a no joke field, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And uh, to do it when you're not in the position to do it, it you mm. can ruin it, right? You can really hurt somebody. So yeah. I don't do it in that for you know for that reason in that respect. But um, I don't do counseling, not marriage counseling, not personal counseling, and you know, uh, Mike. Uh, people, there are people with different fields. But you want to talk dean, you want to talk career, you want to talk other things like that. You know, that's fine. You do career uh, counseling? Career, <laughs> like in the sense of like uh, when people say like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life, right? That type of thing. Uh, or, you know, how do I achieve, right? You know, so there are certain things that you could do, you know, sleep early, wake up early. Absolutely. It's the biggest thing in achievement. Wake up early. Don't be someone who is a bum, okay? And we got a whole bunch of people now who are bums and they wonder why they're poor, right? And they, oh, that's going to get me killed on Twitter, right? But uh, not that people are poor or bums, but what we're talking about, someone who is not a hard worker, he sleeps in. Okay. He spends all night scrolling and then they wonder why they're in a rut. Right. Speaking of Twitter, I've recently take out the word poor. Right. But, but people who are in a rut in life, right. There's a reason. Okay. There's a reason you have bad habits. Okay. Go back to what you were saying about this, uh, the, 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 the dump hole called Twitter. Speaking of Twitter, so I, I, as you know, I've never had a Twitter. I recently got a Twitter and it's perhaps one of the worst decisions of my life. Uh, <laughs> but you know, one I, of the things, one you know of the what's things... the great thing though? I don't follow Muslims. Don't do that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That They're actually wrong. makes it worse. I mean, I follow like, you know, just if you follow the non-controversial imams that are not Dr. Shetty that just post like good, good, uh, like hadith or quotes or something. Those are great. Nice and safe. If you follow like, you know, any of, if you follow Tamim and Dr. Shetty and these guys, then you get into all the, the drama. And, like, I can't <laughs> see, here's my problem. Here's my problem. I can't see something that sort of is a challenge and not take a bite into it. Oh, I, I gotta get take it. a bite into it. I get it. I'm just saying it's not good for me. <laughs> yeah, it's not good. And 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 the thing is that you know, anytime that something bugs you, the best thing is bring it out, right? Bring it out in the sense that someone said something. All right, bring it out. Let's bring it out. That's your Fahim's version of let's talk, right? But <laughs> yeah. the reason or, is or put on the gloves, you know, wrestle, yeah. spar. The <laughs> reason is I don't like the idea of being afraid of anything, right? Yeah, I don't like the idea of being afraid of anything. And yeah, just be direct. Nothing does bug you. Things bug you, right? Or things that are, but I don't like the idea of being afraid of anything. So this yeah. idea of I'm not, I'm not going to get onto Twitter at all because I'm like afraid of it. No, I might get sick of it. I might get sick of it. I'm never going to be afraid of it. Right. So I want to say uh, a few things before, uh, since as we're getting closer to Ramadan as well, and it's a slightly different topic, but since you brought up Twitter and social media, so I've, I'm someone that's been studying this subject of social media addiction and, and, and the user experience of how all of these things have been created for years now and even work on some of these things. And as we sort of get towards Ramadan and as we're in quarantine, I have found that trying to go cold turkey on some of these, some of these things is not 
the best way, right? Because then you just, you kind of get withdrawal and you go back hardcore. But I would recommend, you know, starting now before Ramadan comes in to change social media and technology habits to be a little bit more healthier. I'm not even saying get off of Twitter or Instagram, but one thing you can do is start following better people. Leave all the drama. You're not following me now? All of a sudden? (laughs) I I have to follow you. (laughs) But I mean, amongst the Corona stuff right now, the, the, the Muslim Twitter sphere is actually very calm. So, um, but, you know, start, you know, weaning yourself off of certain things. Honestly, if you have to switch platforms, go to Instagram. So you don't read so much nonsense. Yeah, uh, and you break your fast from what you see. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Instagram is a hundred percent the worst. Listen, I don't use it. I don't have Instagram. Can I give a piece of advice for people? Something for I just did recently is I have this iPod. It's an old iPhone. It's like my wife's old iPhone because it's not my flip phone, right? So, but for WhatsApp, for email, for quick things, to have this on my hands for Twitter, for Facebook is useful. Um, I took Twitter off of this, right? <laughs> off the phone, off the iPod. And I, if I want to access it, and, and Facebook too, if I want to access it, I'll access it on the computer. Why? So many little dumpster fires that I got myself involved in it's all because of a quick off-the-cuff tweet, right? While I'm walking in the kitchen, right? And I'm thinking to myself, this is so weird, right? I'm sitting here. I just made a small comment just off the cuff on my phone while I'm like pouring a glass of water for myself. And all of a sudden, the place is on fire, right? So I realized, you know what? Maybe if I didn't have such quick access and I was at the desk when I tweeted, you know, you, when you're at your desk, you think a little bit more clearly, right? You, you don't do something off the cuff with a keyboard. So maybe that would actually contribute to, you know, uh, uh, less drama, right? Less yeah, 100%. Drama. I think the, the context matters a lot. I, I notice the same thing with my phone. If I'm on it, then I'm more likely to waste time on those apps. Yeah. Whereas if I'm on my computer, I have other tasks that I know I'm supposed to be doing. I'm more likely to be focusing on that rather than on social media. Yeah. Um, and I might be even doing other things in the context of that environment where I'm at my desk, I have other books, I have my Quran, I might just pick those up instead. Whereas yeah. if I have my phone, I might be lying down on my bed or something, or I might be sitting somewhere relaxing, getting too cozy. So I think environment matters a lot. It yeah, matters I mean- a lot. And, and you don't think when you're just walking in the hallway, right? And you just write three words, right? Just because it's the immediate reaction off your head. And people misunderstand those words. Alhamdulillah, I've never said anything controversial. It's people who misunderstand. Alhamdulillah. Right? So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the, it just helps avoid it. And also, the constant checking. Habib Omar said, Allah does not like a rival. Right? We're just constantly checking this, right? So when I look at my phone, there's nothing to do. Right? There's nothing to check. I shut it off. Right? I shut it off. And of course, when I'm outside the house, I don't even have it on me. Right? Mm-hmm. But the idea is, is to decrease it. Like you said, you can't go go turkey, but um, decrease yeah. it. This I mean, is interesting because this relates directly to friendship because people are on their apps more than they're talking to their bros. Yeah. And huge problem there, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's actually, I think I said this before in another podcast, the having the device closer to you 
can it creates an emotional sort of bond with it as well. So when you're oh, yeah. typing something out on your laptop or watching a video on your TV, the distance and the physical, you know, separation, it actually makes a difference to your emotional state. So mm -hmm. when you're on Facebook or Twitter on your desktop computer with like a mouse uh, and a keyboard, it's very different than when you're like sitting in bed, you know, and you're like, oh, like, well, let me reply to this yeah. guy. Let me, anxiety. let me get this guy, right? Because yeah. that closeness creates this emotional, uh, you know, attachment. Like, literally an attachment, yeah. Yeah, and, and so I, I definitely highly recommend, and I, I'm really bad about following this advice, so I should probably wean off it before giving this advice, but I do highly recommend if you want to use social media, do it on a, on a laptop. Or yeah, a on a laptop. Yeah, don't, don't, don't get attached to yourself. And, and don't debate on Twitter. Debate on Facebook. Uh, <laughs> long form debate. Right. Hey, Maureen, I got to do the community update, but can, we, can I give my quick summary of today's episode, or at Go least my it. contribution to Go. today's episode, and then you guys... And then, so friendship, it begins, there's a path to friendship. And I'm going to make this super simple that everyone can memorize. You go from strangers to acquaintances to friends, or the Muslims call it companions, okay? When you're a stranger, avoid two things. Avoid talking too much and unappointed advice or unsolicited advice. Avoid those two things. All right. Do do uh, two other things. Okay. L smile and engage and learn how to engage in nice chit chat. Okay. Learn how to engage in this because many people don't know how to do this. Okay. Sm so smile. That's the emotional thing for him said and engage in uh, a genuine chit chat. Okay. Once you're in the, that will very quickly, very quickly put you into a, a acquaintance box. When you're into the acquaintance box, which in Arabic we call ma'arif, people we know, right? The acquaintance box, you don't probe, but you, you're trying to assess each other's uh, compatibility, right? And when you're in the acquaintance box, avoid two things, belittling the person and trying to benefit from the person, right? Avoid that because then you look like a bloodsucker, like someone, oh, he just wanted to get close to me to benefit. So don't belittle. That's the negative. That's a don't do. And don't uh, try to benefit from him, right? Don't try to, you know, um, take it, ask him for a loan or something like that, right? Or, you know, something that would, you know, be too much too soon, right? So don't do those two things. And then if you become the, the, the shift from acquaintance to the companion box, right, to the friend box, that's something that we would have to actually uh, cover in another episode. Yeah. And just to be clear, the speed at which this happens is not always going to be the same, right? It depends on other factors. Like oh, there's, yeah, so, totally. Everything is going to be different. Sometimes you stop at acquaintance and it's very yeah. good to stop at that, right? I like to have a lot of acquaintances, right? I like acquaintances. I don't want to, I don't, especially with the, in the Ummah, I would be acquainted with every Muslim in the Ummah if it was my choice. Right. I don't want to have enemies with Muslims. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, but at the same time, uh, I will be very slow to shift to the companion phase because I don't want it to break. If you shift too quickly to, or to the wrong person into the companion box, you're in trouble. Right. So let the acquaintance marinate slowly. Right. See each other at people's homes, 
an occasional text. Hey, I heard your grandmother died. Assalamu alaikum. May Allah give her Jannah, right? Uh, I heard you had a baby. Congratulations. Boom. That's it. Yeah. Texts, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Things like that, right? <laughs> Things like that. Keep it real simple. And many people, they don't even know the acquaintance box exists. They think it's strangers' friends. Mm-hmm. And that's a problem. Right? In fact, they think they need to be friends. They think that the acquaintance box is a bad thing. Yeah, they do. They think it's, it's bad. They think it's fakery. It's not yeah. fake, right? It's good. I love the acquaintance box, right? And then once, uh, and the companion box, that needs a whole nother uh, podcast, inshallah. There's a companion box and there's, a, there's the close companion box as well. Yeah, right? so that's what they call <laughs> a sadiq in Arabic, a sadiq wal khalil. Yeah, so there, there's that. Maybe we can eventually. Wait, have you reached that level with Dr. Shad yet? You want to announce it? <laughs> Moin is definitely that. like uh, 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 we're we're gangsters on the same team. Yeah, we're gangsters. We didn't, we didn't, and, get, we didn't get this uh, this far, you know, sure. without that. And, and for what? And with what? Like three years now on the podcast? More, I think. Well, more, more. I think we started, before Trump, before we, Trump got elected, we started in 2015, I think. So it's been five oh, years. Wow. Yeah. And th- this is the thing. Keep it going for a long m- amount of years for the, the reason that if something comes up, you're going to be like, man, I don't want to waste five years of friendship. Let me just, let's make it up quick. Let's that's fix it, it quick, right? That's so that's uh, the benefit of going slow is that, hey, we've known each other for like 10 years. Why are we going to have a fight? Don't have a fight. But if we've known him for five months, might have a fight, right? So, I, I got to mention a story real quick related to what Dr. Shadi said about okay. not taking things too, too quick into the friendship zone. I have a lot of clients who they come to me with um, concerns about having had dysfunctional upbringings, you know, dysfunctional parenting and whatnot. So when they were kids, they, they, they had a lot of childhood needs that were unmet. These were dragged into their adulthoods. And so what they don't realize is on an unconscious level, the friends that they're seeking out are replaying patterns from their childhood dynamics that, that were unhealthy that they had with their parents. And they're either seeking friends in quotes, that remind them of their parents or friends who they think will compensate for what they didn't get from their parents. So yeah. I had this one client, he, he was trying to, all the friends he, he, he was forming, they were like paternal father figures, you know, it's like, because he oh, had an absent that's father. that's a big problem. And big so big those friends are kind of like, what's going on? Why are you, they could feel like the, he's trying to take too much because deep down he, he was, he was trying to get his unmet fatherly needs or, or, or needs from a father met through his friends no good it can't feel that no the same things happen in actual marriages and relationships as well you know that uh that's one of the good things that like psych shrinks and stuff they can benefit people in that right by talking it out and showing them that this is what you're doing there's a lot of benefit in actual counseling right i mean yeah oh yeah just need that so i think it's it's maghrib and yeah it's maghrib and we got community all right all right thank you Jazakum Allah khairan. And let's close, close it out with dua. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Nashadu an la ilaha illa anta nastaghfirik wa natubu ilayk wal asr. Inna al-insana lafi khusr illa al-ladhina amanu amilu salihat. Wa tawasaw bil-haq. Wa tawasaw bil-sabr. Wassalamu
I'm 